about the wanderers in all gold and black You better retreat cause we're on the attack The strength of the wolf is the strength of the pack We're Wolverhampton, we're on our way back Well, hello everybody, welcome to episode 280, that's 280 It is the ENS Podcast. I'm your host Nathan Judah. Delighted to be joined in person. It's always great in person, staring across at your beautiful. What are they? Um, blue, hazily, hazily, yeah. purpley green, <laughs> uh, black as your soul eyes, Mr. Liam Keane. Liam Keane, everybody, how's it going? It's very well. I'm very good. Um, it's it's very it. well. It's very well. It's very well. I was I was dazed looking into your eyes then. Into, the hazel brown into mind, your, mate. Big brown eyes. Beautiful brown eyes. They're gorgeous. <laughs> um, it's going very well, of course, Simon. Um, no, good, mate. Good. Uh, aside from sitting in my coat. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little bit cold in here. We're 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 a little bit cold. Um, the office heating is is um, Strugglesville Struggle. at this moment in time. So we've gone into our little editorial bubble meeting room, and thankfully there's a radiator, portable radiator here, uh, not working. It can't be from Kettle and Toaster Man. They should get onto him. <laughs> get onto him. Yeah. Well. Uh, ASAP. Tell you what though, to start the podcast, and I think you must have all listened to it and gone, what's going on here? First of all. That is our new intro from Poco Draw. I mean, unbelievable. You love to see it. We, we had some entries, actually, for the intros. And look, thank you for everybody who sent some intros in. Um, and I do need to get back to you because I haven't replied to a lot of them. Poor by me. Um, but I did listen to a lot of them. Uh, Poco has been in touch recently. Uh, obviously, he's written this song. The full version will put out as well, I think, at some point. Maybe at the end of this podcast, I might play the full version or in the next couple of weeks. But... I uh, hope you enjoyed it. I mean, I think it's great. Do you like it? We are the ones who say, oh, gold and black. It's great. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's gone. Get the words out. It's catchy, isn't it? We are the wanderers. I was trying to remember for a second. It's so good. It is good. It is good. It's very catchy. It's... It, that, I mean, that's talent, that is, isn't it? That is, that is that, talent. That's, that's a lot more than what, what we've got about us, to be fair. I mean, I wouldn't use the word talent um, to ever describe either of us, to no. be honest. Apart from God, ta- no. talented looking. Yes, um, obviously. Other than that. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> but no, that, that's, that is talent there. That I is, think uh, it's great. I'm going to play it again. We are the wondrous Ooh, we're swaying. We're swaying. We're loving it. Mm-hmm. The strength of the wolf is the strength of the pack. We're on our way back. I feel like we're groupies. Love it. I feel like we're groupies. I love it. It's a little bit, little bit of country in there. A little bit of real black country. I think it's quality. Yeah. A bit of pop. Top. Bit of music, like guitar. A, you can imagine like a in a pop world and everyone. Oh, mate, I'm all <laughs> reflex, mate, reflex. Oh, dear. Look, and, and look, great way to start and a great way to just, I'm excited about this podcast, Liam. I'm excited, not just because I'm with you in this room, but my God, we talked about it. I did say Wolves needed a statement win. They needed a statement win this season, and my God, they got it, baby. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers 2, Liverpool 0, as Jurgen Klopp says. But actually, it was 3 and could have been 4 or 5. But we'll stick at 3. What what a day. What a day, baby. Well, we both said they were going to win, didn't we? We did. We both said 2 Well, we've been doing well on the old... Um, yeah, we gave them too much credit, Liverpool, yeah, to be exactly. fair. 
Um, we both said they were going to win, and I don't think either of us thought they would win as comfortably as they did. I mean, blew it them was away. Com- it was comfortable. Blew them away first 20, absolutely all over them. Um, this Liverpool team at the moment, and I'm not going to focus on them too much, but just a, a brief comment. At the moment, it feels like any slight bit of adversity, they are crumbling. They're mm. so weak. The underbelly is so soft. Um, I suppose it doesn't help when you've got a manager who comes out with absolute garbage afterwards. Tosh, do you I know mean, what? He comes out with some weird I, stuff, doesn't he? I know you were, on, you were in the mix zone, so he came in. And I was like, okay, here we go. This is going to be a classic clop. Let's see what he's got to say. And to be honest, for the first five to ten minutes, he was very down and talked about it being unacceptable. I'm like, oh, okay. Can't really fault him. It's, it's speaking sense. And then the Jurgen Klopp came in, talking absolute utter tosh. You knew, tosh. It, was, you knew it was coming. He's yeah. always going to be there. And, and the fact that you know he then goes and refuses a question from a, a Liverpool journalist. As far as I'm concerned, no manager should be turning down questions from anyone. I think no. it's ridiculous. Um, but enough about them. Look, they were they were weak. They were soft. But Wolves were magnificent. First twenty minutes blew them away. Um, and to be honest, coasted until half time. That mm. you know. There was one uh, Sar save from the Nunes chance who he didn't really put enough finesse on his effort and mm. Sar made a good save. Other than that, Wolves coasted to half-time. We always knew Liverpool were going to be better in the second half and they were for the first 15, 20 or yeah. so. You knew um, they were going to come at some point. Wolves got, Wolves got a, you know, a little bit of luck here and there. Um, Dawson was a magnet for every single cross that came into the box. He was heading everything away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a, a, one brilliant goal on the break and, and it was embarrassing at the end for, for Liverpool because Wolves were... The Wolves fans were loving it, standing ovations, ole, every pass that was yeah. going through. They must have put, what, 50, 60, 70 passes together without Liverpool touching it. I mean, it was it was incredible. Um, it was it was a really it was a really nice moment, actually, um, as the team got behind, uh, as the players rather, sorry, the, the fans got behind the team and, um, and applauded them for what was a really deserved and dominant win. This, uh, this for me, was probably, just thinking back, Probably the, the best win in the last two to three years, really. It's not got to be not there, just this it? season, but yeah, just the way that they played throughout and the intensity and the adversity that they've had this season to to go and put a performance like that, especially with the history they had with Liverpool, not just you know in the last four to five seasons when they hadn't beat them in the Premier League. In fact, they lost every single Premier League game to them since they came up under Nuno. But the fact of what had gone on at Anfield in the FA Cup, everything surrounding it, and to put a performance like that together a complete performance under the new manager after Everton had won and you know if if they'd put in a poor performance and got beat Wolves could have finished the day bottom of the table you know if results had gone against them they didn't and you know where they everything around that display from start to finish was absolutely superb and reminded me i think for the first time back to those prime Nuno days those special days those special nights that's the first time I think I've walked out the ground, interviewed fans, and every one of them just were beaming. They were beaming. They were, they were delighted to speak. They were hugging everybody. They were hugging strangers. And haven't had that for a long time. Of course, the pandemic got in the way as well. But it was, um, it was a pleasure to be there. It was a pleasure to watch, Liam. Yeah, and it was the, the basics the Wolves got right first of all. So there was retaining possession really well, um, pressing aggressively, attacking with intent. Looking after looking after the ball and looking after um, the transitions really nicely. Those are the basics that they got they got they got well. But I think tactically, Lopetegui mm-hmm. outclassed the Jurgen Klopp. You look at second time this season. Yeah, you're right. Four four two they set up, which surprised us. Really did. Mm. Um, Sarabia coming centrally alongside Mateus Cunha. 
And that worked really well because he was able to, well, both players, in fact, were able to drop into pocket of space to pick yeah. the ball up in between the lines. They were able to run beyond the defence and stretch the defence as well. And then they had, and Sarabia in particular, had more freedom because he saw him, he, he uh, drifted out wide for the opening goal when he played the ball through for Huang. Um, I thought it worked really well. And they both, the idea there was to put the two centre-backs, who really is a makeshift pairing because of injuries in, uh, in Matip and Gomez, under pressure. And they put them under pressure straight away and Matip had an absolute stinker. So that worked perfectly, first of all. The second tactical aspect to pick up on was on the left side. Mateus uh, Nunes playing on, on the left wing. In some ways, he was he was sacrificed for the team because he didn't have a massive um, influence offensively, at least. And you know he should have scored that chance he had at two 0 as well. Um, but his purpose was to get the ball and run mm-hmm. at Trent Alexander Arnold, yeah. run beyond him again, stretch him, put him under pressure. And every single time Neves switched the ball to the left side, ain't Nori was overlapping mm-hmm. runs every time without fail. They were two on one. Against um, against Alexander Arnold, there was no tracking back from the forwards for Liverpool, and they had a two-on-one situation. Now they didn't always create danger from it, but tactically they found the spaces to exploit Liverpool, and they took advantage of them to to pretty much the full effect. Um, and that's in both the centre back and, and right back with Trent. So it worked perfectly. Um, I thought Lopetegui got his uh, got his just desserts for what was probably a. a tactical mistake away at Man City and mm. he comes back and, and, he, and he pulled a blinder yeah they, they pulled a blinder and I, I've got to say um, and we discussed this on the podcast in the last couple of weeks we asked for your suggestions as well about the atmosphere and all credit to Wolves by the way because they've taken it um, they've understood they understood they needed to make changes and I think everybody and from what I've seen the atmosphere the music in the sound system what the, the choices of tracks Jao Gomez coming out pre-kickoff to get the, whipping the crowd up. That morning atmosphere was back. And of course, two goals help in the first 12 minutes. Of course they do. But everything in the lead up to that just shows that obviously they always take the fans into consideration. And I thought it worked great. I mean, we were bopping up there, weren't we? We came about <laughs> early. Uh, there were a couple of bangers out there. And, and to see Gomez, to, to let him acknowledge the fans, to come back in... Then you've got the hot start from Wolves. It was just the perfect recipe for a for a big win, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when you did your tweet, um, which got what did it get like two hundred two hundred responses? Yeah. yeah, it was incredible. Um, that tweet it, it, within that tweet, you said the answers will get to the right people, mm-hmm. and I think that proved, didn't it? Because yeah. Wolves listened, they took uh, on board what people wanted what people say now obviously they can't do everything all at once they can't do everything that everyone wants at the same time um but they've made incremental changes i'm sure they'll do more as well mm. um and it seemed to work you're totally right that the you know the team performance in the early goals of course that's going to help but th- the fans got up for it early on the team responded and the fans kept it up for the full 90 and then, it, and then it comes back to the moment i'm talking about with wolves looking after the ball the last 10 minutes the standing ovation mm-hmm. it all it was a perfect end to what was what was probably the the best day out any Wolves fans had this season, you'd say. Yeah, and, and look, you're never going to get a 100% um, success rate. Not everybody's going to be happy. There's always going to be some people who've got a grumble here and there. But I think the fact that they've acted, the fact that you guys have interacted with us, with the podcast, with with the club, and that they've taken it on board, there's a lot of other clubs that will, will never have that chance. They will never, it will be very much a closed shop. And so I think as credit to the club, credit to credit to everyone involved, credit to you guys who were listening as well, because that was definitely great. And we want that for, I think that's the important thing, Liam, and I think that's what they've got to stress, and it's what 
Here's what Lopetegui said in his post-match. We need the fans. We need the fans now, between now and the end of the season, through the good and the bad. And there will be bad. There will be bad. There will be disappointing defeats along the way. It's just the nature of the beast. But they've got to be amped up. As much as they were amped up against Liverpool, they've got to be amped up against Bournemouth in two weeks' time at home. Well, I said it in the video after the game, didn't I? You, you can't beat Liverpool 3-0 <coughs> and then go away to Southampton this Saturday and lose 1-0. Mm. Um, now, if it, look, if it does happen, it's not a disaster. Wolves are absolutely relegated and it's all over. But look, you have to take advantage of the position you're in. And Wolves have put themselves in a bloody good position with that win. Um, not only because of the, the league table and and, and you know the, where they find themselves, but the performance was, was top draw. We know this team has got it in them. They're getting better... With each week, um, the Man City performance aside, and I think there was a question actually on the podcast uh, about this, looking at, you know, it, it almost feels like Lopetegui's had his pre-season with Wolves now, and now, mm. they're, now they're into their full flow. It could really be a turning point, this result, because you're going out to Southampton uh, away, Bournemouth at Molyneux the following week, Fulham after that, which of course, you know, they're, they're, they're doing well, but they are punching above their weight and they are, yeah. they are beatable. Um, you've got games with Spurs at home. You've got Newcastle away. Look, again, not easy games, but winnable, or, or at least get results out of Leeds as well coming up. This next two months, and particularly February, yeah. could be absolutely huge for Wolves. And if they can start it from like they did on Saturday and continue that, it could be, well, even bigger turning point than, than maybe we think it is. And they're just in safe hands, Liam, aren't they? I mean, look, we talk about. The transfers talk about the window, and I thought they had a successful window. I thought the majority of fans think they had a successful window. And you look at the players that Lopetegui's brought in. These aren't just players who are going to the back of the queue or having to work their way in or be on the bench or being outside the matchday squad and maybe the odd one starts, the odd one's getting half an hour. From that starting eleven, you know, Cunha, Lamina, Dawson, Sarabia, four of those signings were, were Lopetegui signings. These are bringing straight into the starting eleven. And I've got to be honest, I think when he came in, I, I would be a little bit apprehensive if they said, oh, we're going to bring four starters in straight away. They're going to come straight into the starting eleven. however much they were struggling. But they've come in and they just look like they're so at home already. Um, I've got to pick out Mario Lamina. And we'll talk Ooh. about Craig Dawson well, but Mario Lamina, we both said, even though we're 2-0 up and, you know, um, you know, had an assist to a goal, of course, but the work he was doing at the back and and just marauding around, um, you know, in behind Neves and just clearing up. They were scared of him. They did not want to know. Um, you know, Alicantra, Cater, they just did not want to know Gomez. And he was just absolutely brilliant. One of the best performances I think I've seen this season from any player at Wolves. Astonishing, really. And I think that's great. And the blend that they've got with him coming and having Premier League experience, I think is invaluable. Uh, obviously came off towards the end of the game, Liam. Uh, but big smile on his face in the tunnel. And for me, one, one of the stunning and outstanding individual displays I think I've seen this season. Yeah, absolutely. Just quickly on those four signings. Of those four, two of them, vastly Premier League experienced. Mm. Massive part of what Wolves' window was all about. One of them, in Pablo Sarabia... What is he, 30, is he? Yeah, 30, yeah. Yeah, 30, so very experienced, played at the highest level. Doesn't have Premier League experience, but, you know, you know, had a good career. is the only one who is, what, 23 and mm -hmm. a bit younger and a bit less experienced, but played at big clubs in big, you know, big leagues. So that was what Wolves' window was all about. Yeah. And that's why they've been able to seamlessly transition into the Premier League and into life under Lopetegui. And on Lamina, as you absolutely correctly say, um, he was wonderful. I've never never given a 10 in a play ratings ever and that was, was close I could tell that, you were close and that was the closest I came I yeah. genuinely the closest like I, was, I almost did it and yeah. I thought in my head and maybe I'm being too harsh here but in my head I've always categorised a 
a 10 out of 10 performance as you literally have never given the ball away once. You literally never misplaced a pass, literally never you yeah. know, got a book in or whatever, which is almost impossible, I think, mm. for any player. Mm. But maybe I'm being too harsh, maybe I should have done, but I was very, I was very close. Um, as it you just say, shows, you know, for really a, a holding midfielder or a defensive midfielder to even think about getting a 10, normally it's a 7 or an 8 or exactly, a 9 because yeah. they don't stand out as much on the pitch. But the fact that he was standing out in this display with so many, you know, amazing points all over the field that, that he was the one who was standing out just shows uh, how important how integral he was to that win there were so many moments where Liverpool players and I spoke about one of the video after the game with, with Alexander Arnold again that they were almost frightened to jump into a tackle with him because he was heavy handed but fair he tread the line between getting a booking and and having a real bite about him perfectly um, he, he was excellent he, he covered Every blade of grass. He he was tr uh, tracking uh, tracking back at obviously at the perfect moment at almost every occasion. But he was pushing on for loose balls in deep into Liverpool's half at one point um, when Wolves were two 0 up and he had, didn't really need to and the Wolves under no pressure. Um, yeah, he was he was aggressive. He was intense. But he, what is perhaps even more impressive, as well as being all those things, he very rarely gave the ball away, and to not really give possession up that often. At, in a, in a frame of mind when you're being so aggressive and so intense, it can be quite difficult. And it's really impressive that he did that as well. So I thought he was superb. Um, and, he, and he allowed Neves to, to flourish. And I was so close to giving him that 10. I didn't uh, quite. I, maybe, maybe I'll reevaluate. And, and if, you know what? I'd, I'd welcome people's opinions on that because maybe I'm being too harsh. But um, I, hit, I gave him a nine, but it was a very strong nine. And I made it clear that he was my my man of the match. You made, uh, you made a point of, obviously... Um, Mentioned Craig Dawson as well, who was brilliant. And he was, like you say, he got the, his head on every single ball. One mistake, I think, in the game. Yeah. I think Kilman and him both had one mistake each. Um, but goodness me, what a fantastic debut. We discussed, and I think we both predicted that it would have been Collins to miss out if there was going to be one. And other fans from the poll that I did suggested that it would have been Kilman to miss out. But I think... Max Kilman looks a better player when he is alongside some experience. He needs that. I know Max Kilman isn't a young lad anymore, but he's still he's still young in terms of being a central defender and still learning the game, I think it's fair to say. And having someone like Dawson in there, not only we'll talk about Dawson in a minute, that was Kilman's best performance for a long time for me. And I know he lost um, Nunes and when the ball went over his head and Nunes had a decent shot on goal, but apart from that, that was the Kilman we saw under Connor Cody when he was talked about in and around the England squad. But he needs to learn. He needs someone there with experience. I think Dawson was perfect. And you could see Dawson constantly talking to him as well. And I think sometimes you need that. And you know, Kilman will come out of his come out of his shell, I think, and you know, when he's 25, 26, 27. But them two together, for me, is a partnership. And now he's got that. And I know he's talked about Lopetegui about changing things. I would say that those are the least likely to to change imminently in the short term. He'll want a partnership. These two, left foot, right foot, work well together. And Craig Dawson, I mean, you know, we talked about his goal-scoring prowess and that he can score 19, or he scored his 20th Premier League goal. But this wasn't a header or a dirty goal or one-yard tapping or getting in the way. That's a great finish. It's an absolutely fantastic finish. He absolutely lashes it into the net, doesn't he? Um, yeah, it's interesting because Lopetegui has sort of doubled down on this point. And he did it after the game as well to say... Uh, next week I might make three, four changes. Collins might be not be in. You know, he's making it very clear to his players that he will make changes uh, on a tactical basis um, 
or if they don't, you know, get reach his standards. Um, and he'll make changes easily, um, and, and he'll do it happily every week. Which I think, you know, he, he wants to keep the players on, the, the, on, on their the toes. toes yeah. And he wants players, and he said to me recently, he said, I don't want any player happy to be on the bench. Mm-hmm. On a match day, they support their teammates, mm-hmm. but in training, they, want, they need to show me that they're not happy about being on the bench. So that's the, now, that's the challenge to, to Collins now, who probably was a little bit hard done by, because I thought he'd, he'd done well recently, but um, we both thought that he'd be the one to drop out. And I think it makes sense on the face of it. You know, you've got a right footer, a left footer with the two that are, that are in, in Kilman and Dawson. Um, you've also got Kilman, who is more experienced, who is a bit older, not by a lot, but he is in comparison to Collins. So it made sense that he stayed in. Um, and I thought they worked really well together. Kilman looked a lot more assured. As you say, the coaching throughout the game, you could see Dawson talking to him. There was a moment when Kilman misjudged a, a cross in the in the first half that was pretty easily gobbled up by Wolves anyway. But in the breaking play while, while Saar was getting ready to take his goal kick, um, Dawson comes over, grabs Kilman, starts chatting in his ear, pointing, telling him what to be doing. Little things like that are going to help him. That kind of guidance. We were talking about guidance and ad- advice is what the two of them needed, yeah. Collins and and, uh, and Kilman, and they've got that now in Dawson. And then him himself, look, he was a very simple kick-it-head-it defender when he had to be, but he also looked after the ball really nicely at times as well. Um, there was, I mean, he set the tone very early on with stepping out of defence, making a crunching tackle on, I think it was on Gakpo within the first two, three minutes. And, um, and, and from there, he was almost flawless bar that, that one error that you, that you mentioned in the second half. Um, a very good pairing. I think Collins will slot in at the, when needed as well, and, and I hope he does because he's deserved that. But it's, um, it's nice to have some competition there. And let's not forget Totti Gomez. Absolutely. And I'll have to mention that because I, you know I'm a big fan of Totti. <laughs> I shouldn't yeah, have phrased yeah. it like that. But <laughs> I, think, uh, I, think you've, um, I think you've said you're a big fan of Totti in 34 out of 35 podcasts this season. <laughs> I, I genuinely really rate him as a player. I, I'm, I'll, keep, I'll keep banging that drum. And every time he's come in for Lopetegui up until now, I think he's been, he's been very good. So let's not forget about him. Look, there's competition there. He wasn't even in the squad on Saturday. He's, I think he's a very good defender who could who could still have a have an input between now and the end of the season. So Wolves have got four good centre halves. I feel comfortable with all four uh, options and all the combinations there. So it'd be interesting to see who he picks. Yeah, you Totti got Bubakar uh, Kamara um, coming back soon. Bubakar Traore. Bubakar Traore. I always say Kamara. Bloody hell, Bubakar. Traore. Shocking. You know, you got Pedro Neto as well. So the Diego Costa, I guess, as well. You know, so. It's crazy, and I tweet this out, but this was this was the bench um, for the loss at Leeds on the first game oh, of the season. Oh, God, I remember this. This was, this was the bench that, that Wolves had under Bruno Large. Bolly, Bueno, Campbell, Cody, Kundal, Hodge, Mosquera, Ronan, Sarkic. This was the bench on Saturday against Liverpool. Bentley, Bueno, Collins, Hodge... Jimenez, Johnny, Moutinho, Pedence, Traore. I mean, that just speaks volumes for me. There's a big difference That's there. That's a there? massive difference. Um, I mean, nine of those nine players could quite easily play Premier League football, you know what I mean? They could all come into a Premier League side and, and do a job. So just night and day, really, and just shows kind of the strength and depth that Wolves have got now. I, I thought Daniel Pedence. Uh, probably found himself, found himself quite unlucky that he wasn't uh, wasn't playing on Saturday, and we all were like a little bit apprehensive. I think when Huang was named, I thought Huang did really well. He did and he did. and Sod's Law, and uh, to the dismay of 
the plethora of career journalists who were there <laughs> on Saturday. Obviously, has come off with a hamstring. I, I think you know. He still stopped to speak to them, by the way. He do, well. of course. Yeah, I mean, they've travelled all that way. They've got to go and see he's him. Such a lovely bloke. He always uh, stops. He does, and um, and I thought he actually had his best game for a while. So it's such a shame that he did. Obviously, you know, integral in the in the first goal as well uh, for the own goal. Um, but frustrating for him. But I want to move away from Huang and talk about the person, the, the play that. That replaced him in, in Adama Traore. Talked about Pedence, and I think when when Huang went down, I think maybe a lot of the the fans watching thinks that Pedence would have been the player to go to. They went with Traore, and I thought he was absolutely excellent. Adama Traore. This is the Adama Traore, and I know he splits opinion, and we'll talk about him probably more than any other player. And I've always been a pro Adama Traore person, but I thought that's exactly why. I would be more than happy if Wolves were to get Adama Traore signed and down to a new deal. Now, that's up to the hierarchy, that's up to Lopetegui, that's up to a lot of different people. But what he showed on Saturday, that display, I thought it was superb defensively, offensively, um, of course, with the, um, the assist for the Neves goal. And to come back, and let's be honest, he was awful in that FA Cup game at Molyneux. He was awful to come back and to show what he can do against the same team. All credit to him. Now, a lot of people, with their contract running out, could be like, mm, don't fancy it, might pick up a little bit of a niggle, don't really want to be playing because I want to make sure that I get a, a big contract so I don't want to get injured. Um, I'm quite happy to be sit on the bench. Nothing like with that with Trio, and you've got to give him the credit there. He's... For me, he's improving. He's got a smile on his face. You can see him all the way around. He wants to be involved till the very end. And that's testament to this guy's character. Now, I've said before on this podcast, especially the way that the Premier League is going now with five substitutes, it's not a case now of spending big money just for starters. I think impacts, especially with the way Lopetegui plays, impact substitutes are almost as important as starters. And if you can get someone like Traore... Under this coach, and I think that's the big thing, under this coach, Lopetegui, who's visibly improving plays in the short space of time he's been there, this could be the best environment for Traore in his career to really kick on because I believe in this manager so much. And I think if you signed him to a new deal, a two-year or a three-year contract, I think you'd see Traore absolutely prosper and use as a weapon coming off that bench even if he's starting a handful of games a season, whether that be in the Cups, the odd Premier League game if he's needed. But just as a substitute, I think you pay him to be a substitute. Honestly, I really do. Now, whether Traore wants to do that and whether he wants to go and be a starter somewhere else is another question. And we don't know what offers are on the table. And of course, he's got a certain Mr. Mendes as his, as his agent now. So look, we don't know. And that could be out of Wolves' hands. But we know the relationship with Mendes. And I wonder... If Lopetegui goes up to Jeff Sheen and says, I need, I want Adam Atreori here at this club next next season, I want him moving forward, I think I can work with him. Whether they, they will put that contract back on the table, whether there might be one there at the moment. But I would be more than happy with the summer to come, with a big summer in spending, with midfield potentially be a priority. I know they've signed Jao Gomez, but Neves and Nunes and Moutinho, question marks over them whether Adama Traore could be someone who knows Compton, who knows his players, who knows this squad, who could be the perfect signing and a weapon to use going forward. Take a breath. <laughs> that was an incredible Ooh. monologue. Ooh. Um, right, first thing I'm going to do 
is I'm going to slightly play down his performance. You That's fine. Me? That's fine. So don't, don't get upset. With okay. Me. But he's been a little bit harsh, but I'll give my reasons why. Okay. First 15-20, when Liverpool were on top, Wolves back against the wall. Yeah. He is not a natural defender. We know that. Yeah. He doesn't have defensive instincts. Mm -hmm. He did allow Liverpool to ghost forward Robertson, Gakpo, get two on one against uh, Semedo. And Liverpool were getting you know a, a decent bit of joy down that side in the, yeah. before before Wolves obviously countered. That's the only criticism because um, that look it's not his forte. We know that, mm -hmm. so I, you know I don't want to make out like he's meant to be a defender. But sure, look, he could have done a bit more there. I think that's why Huang was in the team as well because that's defensively, exactly, exactly that Huang is very very good at that side of the game. But other than that, I thought he genuinely. I agree with you. He was excellent. I think I gave him an eight, so you're happy that he got, mm -hmm. he got higher than mm -hmm. some others. Um, yeah, I thought he was very good. Look, he should have had a second assist as well if Jimenez was was on target with yeah. what should have been a, a fourth goal. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was very good, and and I, for my money, I, I would also like to keep Adama with, with with the squad. But it's a weird one because it's not everything you said there about his character and and you know his willingness. But I've heard this a million times from people in and around Wolves. Mm. I've, I've heard nothing but good things about his character, about him as a person. He gets on with people in the club, speaks several languages, which mm -hmm. helps with other, you know, new players coming in. So I've heard nothing but good things about Adama and his professionalism, which I think is a really key point to make. I've, I've said it on here before, but I'll reiterate that. But it's an interesting one with him because he, he obviously has never accepted the contract that's been offered to him. He was offered a very, very lucrative deal mm. in comparison to what he's been on. Because remember, when he signed in 2018, he's never signed a new contract since then. So the money he could have been on in comparison to what he is on is, is very different. Yeah. Um, and it's not that he's been desperate to leave Wolves. No. It's that he's been very keen to leave his options open. There's obviously been interest from Spurs. He was at Barcelona briefly as well in that loan spell. So there's big clubs that have looked at him. Mm -hmm. um, and he's kept his options open. It's not impossible that, that he does stay with Wolves. It's very much up in the air because there's that contract on the table. It's there for him to sign. If he wants to sign it, Wolves, Wolves will have that conversation with him. Olopetit has made it clear that he would like to, to keep hold of the player. But it's something that it just keeps dragging. So... I wouldn't expect to hear anything until the summer when we know when, when whether he's been uh, released or not. There'll be a retain and release list, and whether he's you know still in conversations with that deal. Um, the manager is probably the biggest thing that will keep him. Not only nationality, but the pull of, of the manager, mm. and of course he is having a decent bit of impact at the moment. So it's one to it's one to keep an eye on. For my money, I'd keep him mainly for the same reasons that you did because I think he is an impact player. I don't mm. think for for many tactical reasons you probably start him in a lot of games. But he came on in a difficult, in, in, and I say difficult, not because Wolves were in a bad position in the game, they were 2 0 up, but difficult in the sense that he knows he's going to have to have some defensive duties yeah. when he comes on. He knows he's <clears> going to have to have some of the impact for going forward later in the game. And albeit the defensive side, he, I think he, he left a bit to be desired. He did exactly what he's there to do, and that is put Wolves in the ascendancy, and he set that goal up perfectly. And look, I think, you know, it depends whether he wants to get back in the Spain squad. I'm sure that's a goal of his yeah. as well. Um, I don't think there's any better situation for him to be in. Look, it depends on the offers that are on the table for him. But from someone who's going to get paid, I'm not quite sure. I still think he's in that limbo of teams, of what he's going to attract. And, and yeah, he's going to attract teams, of course he is. But are they going to be in that top six calibre? And if they well, are, well, he's not going to play every week. He's not going to play. Of course he's not, so. no. So so are they? Probably not. So um, so I think they've still got a decent chance You know that, that Damatrio might be here next year. It's um, it's definitely an interesting one. Like you say, Liam, I think it'll go into the summer. But um, but fair play to him, I think. And uh, like you say, the assist for, 
for Neves was superb. That was a great moment, wasn't it? I mean, that was those were the kind of the moments like from the old FA Cup days with Manchester United yeah. and the roar and uh, the roar Neves the showing it, the... showing us it's my my celebration, mine. I think there might have been a might have been a one or two swear words that crept into his language. What, what, yeah. if you if you lip read him, uh... there might have been a little bit, a couple <laughs> of swears. There might have been a couple that crept into the post match video that had to be deleted <laughs> out as well. <laughs> 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 no comment. No, no comment. There might have been a slight edit there. I might have got a bit carried away. Uh, but um, but no, I think all in all, there were there were a lot of excellent um, assets and an excellent positive to look at that game. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's great. It's great. And look, to get into 15th position, Liam, as well, so, so after that Everton win. But with to the jump games to, to come as well, you know. With the games to come, you know, they've got that, obviously, you know, I think anybody would have taken out a Man City and Liverpool if you were given three points out of those two games, especially with how poor they were against Manchester City. Everybody would have bitten their hand off. So so fair play to them. And uh, look, only a point away from, from well, three points away from 12th, which is which is incredible, really. Um, I just wonder as well, you look at this squad, and it, it's a shame, I guess, because, you know, there are going to be departures at the end of the season, but you look at this squad as it is at the moment, and yes, they are missing a couple, of course they are. They're missing a central strike. I think they're missing a number nine, aren't they? And you can talk about Cunha, and yes, but I think if they had someone who was in the box, Fox in the box, who you know he's not going to miss, who's going to be 15 goals a season, someone should probably replace Raul Jimenez, really, let's be honest. But if you had, let's say you had this squad now, under this manager, and it was the start of the season, I mean, for me, there'd be... You'd be looking at top eight for me, I think. I, I genuinely think the squad that they've got at the moment, and I guess that's the shame is that, you know, Ruben Neves, if he is going to depart or, or any any of the other players, that it's, you know, it's a, it's a season where they're battling against relegation. But I do feel that this squad, as it is now, under this manager, and that's the key, under this manager, and he is a world-class manager, and no disrespect to Bruno or Nuno, but they were very much, I know, I know Nuno had success at Porto, but they weren't, the type of world-class manager that's coming here. And this guy is world-class. This guy is as good as the top managers in the Premier League. And that's why you want people to flourish. And I think players are going to flourish under him. They're going to get better under Lopetegui. And if he, if the start of the season was tomorrow, I think they'd be making a European push. I think they've got a better squad than than Leicester. I think they've got a better squad than Villa. I think they've got a better squad than, than West Ham. I think they've got a better squad than Fulham. Yeah. I think they've got as good, if not a better squad, and people might laugh at me than Brighton. I think they're similar to Newcastle, who are fourth. Honestly, like you look at that, and who have they brought in this season? You know, I know they're playing great, but Dan Byrne, and you know, you've still got midfield who are like, okay, Bruno's fine, but it's just it's it's, it's okay. I don't think that I don't think Newcastle are any better than Wolves on paper. I really don't. Um, I think they'd be pushing for European football. I honestly do. I think so. You're right when you say the managers the. the major key part of that which of course is, is absolutely true but the one word i'm going to use which i've used to really you know summarize wolves's uh, business in the january window is the word balance mm. this squad was so unbalanced at the end of the summer center back was such an issue because it was totty and, and mosquera as the two backups and albeit you know I, I like totty as a player but you need a bit more experience, you need a bit more guile in there. And, and Dawson adds to that. Look at midfield now, mm. the amount of options they've got there once Bukacoro is back from, from injury and Jao Gomez is, is fit to play. They'll have seven central midfielders. Newcastle fourth, mate. You've got you've got Wolves' midfield. What would you rather, Wolves' midfield or Willock, Longstaff and Joe Linton? 
Honestly, like, yeah. it's, not, it's not close, is it? No. I don't think it is for me. No, well, I mean, I think that uh, Bruno Gimaraes is, is obviously suspended. He's, I think he's a very good player. I think he, he'd get into Wolves' team. I think that's fair to say. Mm. But other than that, I can't really... They'd be pushing, wouldn't they? They'd be pushing. Really yeah, exactly. So, the, it's not just the depth, but it's the balance. Mm-hmm. Wolves have balanced the squad to at least two good uh, players in each position now, minimum. Um, some of them more than two. Um, so, look, uh, they're, they're in a great place. And... This season, obviously, is all about settling, staying up. But next season, there's you know there'll probably be a lot of movement with players, and then you uh, you, you get ready for what should and hopefully be a very successful next season. But they've got to do the business this year first. Yeah, um, Southampton, Bournemouth, Fulham, three out. You know, you know, next three games. I mean, massive, aren't they? Massive. Look, if you can get. Let's say seven points from those. Let's go win-win draw, whatever. But seven points on those next three games, they'll be fine, won't they? I think they are fine. I think the majority of fans think they're fine. I think the most important thing now is not to get carried away. And what you don't want to do, and we'll discuss it in when we preview the game, the last thing you want to do after this is the Lord May show after the Lord May show and go and get beat at Southampton Christ. with Nathan Jones, who you know is under if massive pressure. If he's there, if he's still there. Those are interesting post-match comments, by the way. It, but interesting um, is one word. Yeah. Uh, so so we shall see. Let's hope he's. Let's hope they stay in charge <laughs> one more game anyway. But they've got massive pressure on them. So you know Southampton away and Bournemouth at home. Uh, these the the fort now. They've made that. They've got that win. Now let's take advantage of these next two games and just dispel any kind of this fear and make that gap and get further and further away from this drop zone so they can relax and then maybe try and test different players. Maybe he can test different things Lopetegui. He can't do it sometimes when they're struggling. But um, look, all credit to her. I thought it was a fantastic day and it was um, it was thoroughly enjoyable. Right, let's move on. Let's go away from that. Right, tell you what we've got, Liam. We've been doing this for the last three weeks. And it's we the go. final week. It's the final week of the top 20 media facilities in the Premier League. We are down to fifth, fourth, third, second, and who is going to be numero uno? Already we have had, shall give us the 20th down, 20th to... Go through, yeah. It was like top of the pops. Top of the pops. <laughs> Only 20. Um, Everton. What was that accident? Some sort of 1980s disc jockey. Crikey. Everton were 20th. Crystal Palace were 19th. Nottingham Forest 18th, Leeds 17th, Fulham 16th, West Ham 15th, Villa 14th, Brentford 13th, Southampton 12th, Bournemouth 11th, Brighton 10th, Wolves 9th, Manchester United 8th, Newcastle 7th, and Chelsea missed out on the top five. They were sixth. The top five here now. I've got to say, though, before we start, Got a little bit of stick from one of our ex-colleagues this week, saying it was a disgrace where I named Brighton. Mr. Luke Hatfield, who uh, used to work at the old Express Star, now works for the Them Lot Down the Road. Ooh. 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 Saying it was a disgrace. He was a big fan of Brighton. To be honest, some of the world's media team quite talked to Brighton as well at half-time. Brighton maybe you can maybe flip-flop Brighton and Wolves, but I'm, I'm keeping Wolves, I'm keeping Wolves. But the fact that we're arguing about one player shows that we've done a good job in our done selection. Right, yeah. We've done all right. Um, where would West Brom come in this team? In, in this, by the way, just uh, I'm thinking. Look, I'll, I'll bring West Brom into it. Let's let's say West Brom just as a bonus one for you. I was thinking about this. Um, for me, the press room is very good. 
very good. Yeah, it's it's yeah. comfortable. It's decent enough. With a, you know, the big glass looking onto the pitch, I quite like that. The glass, I think, is very that's good. That's class, that's that, the best that, part that, of it. The rest of it, I wouldn't say very good, but okay. it's good enough. It's good, it's good Press box is very good. Press box is good, I'll give them that. The only thing you've got to do is you've got to crawl over everybody. There's no exit, is there? Yeah, that's true. So that's annoying. Yeah. But the press box is very good. The downside for West Brom is parking's not great. I think the press have gone further back now. They're not Hawthorne's house anymore. No, it's a bit further down the bit road. A bit further but down you, the road, you, you but do, it's okay. You, you do get parking. You do though, get which parking. Is a, which is a positive. And the worst part for me, unless it's improved, the food's terrible. <laughs> the food will be bottom three in the league. So on... Reflection overall. They, I've got, I've got, I've got a position for them. See what you think. What would you? They would probably be battling for promotion from League Two. Wow. <laughs> where joking. would you? Where would you I'm rank joking, them? I'm where joking. would you rank um, them? They would probably be. They'd be above Everton. They'd be above Palace. They'd be above Forest. They'd be probably just above Leeds. Fulham, I don't know as I say because you're the one who had to go okay. on that one. I'd say they're below West Ham. Just oh, below West Ham. Okay. Actually, no, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I don't like... No, West Ham's terrible. No, they're, they're, they're above West Ham but below Villa. Okay, I, I think they're above Villa for me. I would have them top of the bottom half. I would have them ahead of Bournemouth and nah, Southampton. I think, I think Bournemouth. You're a big boy. You're, oh, you love Bournemouth, I like mate. Bournemouth, you love Bournemouth. Right, okay, top five then. Here we go. Top five. We had a late change as well. There's a late change late today. Change, late, late change. change. Fifth. I'll do fifth, shall I? Yeah, go for it. Here we go. Fifth. The top 20 Premier League grounds for the media is... Leicester City, the Foxes. Um, lovely ground to attend. Lovely, first of all, close, which is great. So, uh, before you say anything, you're mm. going to have to lead this because I've never been. I know, I know, you've yeah, never it'll been. It'll be no. my first time this season. So. Um, I had COVID, didn't I, last year? First game of oh, the season. Oh, yes, you did, yes. Last, yeah, last August. Not the August gone, but the one before. So. Devastating, you have build up, big build up, big first season and first COVID. Season, first season in the job, got COVID on the Thursday. Oh, Missed dear. the game. Parking's, parking's very nice, very safe, but it's a bit of a walk. So it's about a 10 to 15 walk to the ground, which is okay-ish. Okay. It's okay-ish. Okay. Um, access is fine. The media room is it's well put together. It's not huge, but it's well put together. But the food is sneaky superb. Sneaky superb. Sneaky superb. At least three or four or five different choices. Dessert's incredible. There's some beautiful pies there. (laughs) Beautiful people. (laughs) Beautiful pies, uh, loads of drinks, loads of refreshments. And the staff, and the staff make a big difference to me. I agree. The staff, from start to finish, are so welcoming. You go up the elevator to to the seats, which are great as well. Great view. And uh, genuinely lovely, like over, almost over the top lovely, but very good. Uh, once you feel welcome, and I've got to give props to even like Championship, like doesn't matter where you're going to, Swansea, the most welcoming staff ever, genuinely happy to see you. Like they appreciate you coming that way, that all that way. Leicester are great, so I can't fault them. So they're in the top five for me, Liam, which is uh, probably a surprise to some, yeah. but they've made the top five. I mean, the way you've just sold it to me, then I'm looking forward to going in... Uh, when, when's Leicester away? Is it April or something like that? I think it's April. I think, yeah. I, I, think I, miss, I think I miss that game. You're not, are I you? I think that's the game that I miss, actually. Yeah, well, I think I'm at a wedding. Well, I'll be filling my boots with the uh, <laughs> the, the free food. I'll, <laughs> so, I'll, have, I'll have Judas portion. You can have you are. Well, you normally do. Well, you said, you, you said you're healthy eating, <laughs> and uh, you know, you're not having dessert, and then what happens on Saturday... I had one dessert. Man. Oh Let well, me off. Let what, me off. you say one like like you've done well. Like that's because you go back for desserts. One dessert is still a dessert. Yeah, but what I was not, it? I've not had one was it worth food. it? It was really good actually. Was it? It was like um, it was like a chocolate tart. Oh yeah, I love a tart. Bit of, <laughs> bit of I love uh, a chocolate tart. Yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> bit of um, whipped cream on top. Oh baby, Mate, it was good. Oh it was yeah, really good. Oh god, I want it now. Oh, I'm oh, to get some after you this. lick it off. 
I'm not going there with you. <laughs> that was me, crikey. <laughs> oh dear. Looking into those, <laughs> those lovely eyes of yours. Big brown eyes. Uh, right, uh, Leicester fifth. Here we go, fourth on the top 20 media Premier League facilities list is... Manchester City. Manchester City. 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 Floor is yours, Liam. Yeah, Obviously, I'll, just been there. We have, yes. Um, yeah, I, I, God, asses whooped. I, we did. Well, not us personally, but <laughs> we never <laughs> know. That would have been top if that was happened. Leather straps. Crikey. Yeah, I pushed them to go ahead of Leicester, even though I wasn't, as I said, I've not been to Leicester before. But having been there again the other day, or the other week, it was. Um, it's very, no, it's very good. The parking, well, the, the fact you get parking first of all is a plus. You have, you have to walk about what is it, ten, fifteen? Parking the academy building, don't yeah, we? Yeah, walk across. But I, I think that's fine. It's fine. I, I think it's all right. Access is, it's a little bit annoying. You've got to walk halfway around the stadium to get to it. it takes a little bit of time, but you get there. And then you get into the basement. Yeah, you Breeze do. Blocks. When you when you fi- finally you know find your way there. Um, but the 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 press room itself is it's not massive, but it's it does the job. Mm-hmm. The food's good. Very good. Drinks, yeah, drinks, uh, you know, on offer, perfect. Yeah. The pick a mix is massive. Oh, it is, it is in your portion. As, as you know, because I did, I did <clears throat> indulge. Um, press all, conference room's good, very good. Press conference room's very good, actually. Um, one, this is a massive one for me, mm. which is why some other clubs do well in this list. The mix zone. If you have a good mix zone, that goes a long way with me because yeah. you need to have good access to try and stop the players. Because just just explain what the mix zone is because some people are listening yeah. to this and they don't know what the mix zone is because so they it, don't it, see that. It is an industry term, so people might not realise what it is. But it's it's basically um, you know depends on the way that a club sets it up. But basically a corridor where you stand behind a, a bit of rope and the players have to walk past, um, and then you you know you try and stop the players from either team to, to stop for interviews. Um, the problem with a lot of clubs who have really bad mix zones is that. Players have ways of avoiding it and going out in a different door, or avoiding it altogether. And a lot of Premier League players, if they can avoid it, they will try and avoid it. Um, Wolves have got some re- some players that are really good at it. They've got some not as good, which we know. But no, they've, um, got, they've got some shockers as well. Let's be they, honest. They, they have got some that are good at it. And and when you say they've but, got, when there's a good mix zone, people still find a way to avoid it, oh, though, no, won't they? Look, there's always a trap door. If they, if they say if they say no to you, of course that's their prerogative yeah. to say no. But you want the opportunity to at least ask. Them. Yes. And the problem with some mix zones is that you don't get that opportunity. Yeah. With Man City, and there's another one which we're going to mention in this list, um, there's no other exit. They have to walk directly past you, and that is why it's perfect. Mm. Um, and that's where I got Mateus Cunha into ah. for the first time, who I think I mentioned this already, was such a lovely bloke. Lovely. What a guy. Lovely. Uh, he said hello to me in the bloody uh, mix zone among you after Saturday. Yeah. I was like, well, yeah. we're best mates. <laughs> no, it's... Um, yeah, so that goes a long way with me. Uh, the press box at City, excellent. Views, excellent. Seats, comfortable. Everything about it, I think, is very good. Very good. Okay, now we're on to the final three. And let's be honest, these last three are elite. They are for, for media, for media facilities. Cast on numbers, teams. Let me, let me do the next one, because I, yeah, yeah. number two, you're going to have to lead again for, for okay. COVID restrictions reasons last okay. season. So, number three. Liverpool. 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 Um, it is very good. It is very good at Liverpool. Um, I, I'll go and come straight to the mix zone again. It's probably the best mix zone in the Premier League at Liverpool. Yeah. Um, similar to City, but it's just slightly more spacious. Mm-hmm. They have to walk directly past you. It's perfect. Brilliant. Uh, press conference room's good. Press room and the food's good. You know, oh, very good. Superb. Food. F- facility, yeah, facilities in terms of you know sitting up the press box, good view and everything. So... Yeah, I think it's, it's it's yeah one of the best for a reason. Number two. 
It's the battle of the North London teams. It's Arsenal! 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 Arsenal. Arsenal were one for a very long time. Um, look, the, this downside, it's a middle London, it's North London, there's no parking, so you've got to get on the tube. So that's the downside. However, how many people are driving into the middle London and North London? I think it's fine. It's not an issue really for me. Um, that's the one downside. Because from the moment you get into that stadium, it is the biggest press room you've ever seen. Everybody's got cubicles. You can have your laptop in there. There's uh, there's open spaces. There's sofas. There's a Ben and Jerry's ice cream fridge. See, like the food wise, when I went there last season in February, yeah. it was still COVID restricted. So uh, the ice cream I missed out. No on ice was, cream. I just got like a sandwich. Beer fridge. <laughs> there's a beer fridge oh, there. Now we're talking. Um, last day of the season as well this year. Oh yes, on it is. Beers. Yeah, come on, on the beers. <laughs> um, there's a full, fully attended um, drinks bar that, you, that the girls will make you whatever you want. Um, there's always a fantastic array of food. There's always a huge cake as well that they'll do a oh. homemade cake every week, like a massive one that people can take squares from whatever. It is absolutely superb. You've got a huge media room. It's kind of like um, staggered, almost like a yeah. press conference seating. So up seven or eight different uh, stairs. So everybody's got a good view of the manager. You go through, you go up to, and, and the... Um, the press box is fine. It's slightly to the side, but um, again, very, very comfortable. And look, you're in a beautiful stadium as well. Wi-Fi spot on normally. It's it's excellent. And for me as well, going to the fans, it's just up the stairs, around the corner to the stadium, and the fans come out there. So all in all, apart from the parking, it is a brilliant place to go. And yes, we could be there at the end of the season. Um, well, we will be there last game of the season. Well, yes, yes, I guess you, so. We you've will got be. no choice. You've got to Yes, me. yes that's true. I'll be in, I'll be in. On beverages. Oh, before and after. <laughs> and during. And during. Right, which means, number one, and a new entry, and you're one of the newer entries, number one, it's straight in at one. It is, for me, one of the best media facilities in, well, the Premier League, probably Europe, it's and probably be, the it? world. It's got to be. I've got to be. This is insane. It is. Number one. In the media list of 2023, Liam Keane goes to... Tottenham Hotspur. Tottenham Hotspur. Was there any doubt? There was no, no. doubt, was there? I, I think as quickly as we put Everton to bottom, we almost as quickly put Spurs to top, didn't we? Um, I can pretty much sum it up in one sentence. Their media room is not called the media room or media lounge or press lounge. It is called, I believe I got this right... The Media Cafe. The Media Cafe. <laughs> and that says everything you need to know. I mean, yeah. you get in there and it is like a restaurant. I mean, It is a restaurant, yeah. It, it's huge. I mean, there's just seats everywhere, mm -hmm. space everywhere. I mean, one small, tiny, man, tiny little on, thing. Number one here, come tiny, on. Tiny, tiny little thing. You get a card, like a little token to get food. You can't go back for more. Oh, sorry. That's I'm the sure only problem. You, I'm sure you can still nick a few after. But that's a, that's only for the, the main, which is, I mean, it's been like gammon roasts. Mm. And it's been all kinds of stuff. But then they also have, at the end, which you can go back and get little extras, which I have done, uh, cheese boards and... Oh, yeah, mini desserts and desserts, little parts, five, five, six, seven different yeah. ingredients. You've got granola and yogurts and all yeah. this kind of stuff. There's a whole drink station with... That's on the other end of the cafe. That's exactly, like yeah. the other side of the room because mm -hmm. it's so big and they've got um, they've got staff there making hot drinks. Yeah. Um, oh, no, sorry, they've got stations of hot drinks. They've got staff handing out bottles and stuff. They've got everything you need. wi is brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, to be fair, you don't get parking, but the access is pretty good because yeah. there's a car park that I have used pretty much every time I've been there, which is a 10-minute walk away, so it's perfect. Um, yeah, the, you know, the view from the um, 
from inside the stadium is brilliant. You've got a great view of the away fans. Stunning stadium. It's, you're sitting in these like plus seats. And, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Press conference room's great. Press conference room's brilliant. It's just everything. To be honest, Mix Zone's actually not the best there. Okay. It's not, there's, there's, there's been worse. It's not quite Villa's Mix Zone where you might as well just be stood in a corridor with yeah. a vending machine. Yeah. There's no one there. Um, but <laughs> but um, it, they, they can sort of, they kind of avoid you a little bit. Mm. But it's, it's, uh, it's not, Dreadful, but it's the, the, the rest one, of it's amazing. It's the one away day you look for in the calendar when the fixture list comes out and go, can't wait, definitely not missing that one. And you have to get the food down here, it's amazing. Absolute, so good. Absolute dream. So, yes, Tottenham Hotspur, number one. Congratulations, Tottenham Hotspur. Hope you enjoyed our little media um, top 20 over the last uh, four weeks. I'm sure we'll come with another list uh, in the next few weeks anyway, but uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed compiling it, Kino. I did. I'm sure, well, I'm hoping rather that we can get into some stadiums next season that might not have got a, uh, a great review. <laughs> <laughs> Everton, no chance, mate. Everton, Absolutely I no don't chance. Want to get back, to be honest. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, right. I hope they go down. Should we take some questions from the peeps? Let's do it. Okay, here we go. Um, First of all, Robbie, uh, big big question. Charity boxing match between Adama Traore and Diego Costa. Who wins? I think um, if, if you actually look at this objectively as, mm. as a, someone who likes boxing, um, muscles don't always mean you win. Okay. I think I think Diego would have that. Oh, interesting. Uh, I think he'd have that fire in him. I'm giving it to Traore. I'm giving. I think it was Costa of five or six years ago. I think Costa would do him. I think Traore does him this time. Mm, that's an interesting point. But I'll, I'll, I'll sit with my decision. I'll go with it. Uh, a few people asking, and look, if I, if I don't read your name out, apologies. That was from Robbie, by the way. Um, if I don't, but I know that a few people were asking, Diego Costa, where was he on Saturday? There's a few people saying he was in London. A few people say he's just out of the match day squad. Yeah, I mean, look, they've got they've got a big squad now. Bigger squad than they have, have done for a long time. So not every player is going to make it. And I think, I think we both know that Costa was probably going to be dropping down the pecking order a little bit. I suspect he'll be involved between now and the end of the season, but don't expect him to be a um, you know a starter every week. Nothing but Neto says, have we seen the end of the Kilman-Collins centre-back partnership? Dawson was excellent, other than a misplaced pass, and his leadership kept Kilman focused. Do you expect to see Dawson keep his place and Collins and Kilman rotate, depending on the opponent? I, I can definitely see why you'd come to that conclusion. And to be fair, it's probably more likely than not. But... Lobotique has made it very clear he will he will mix and match when he has to. Um, I think he's prepared to play different uh, partnerships at centre back. So I wouldn't say it's a cut and dry situation where Dawson plays every game between now and the end of the season. But they needed him on on Saturday and they used him. So I think perhaps it will be more of a case of you know each game take as it comes and, and, and choose the right team. Ronan Gibbon says I always hear that Neves is nearly a dead cert to leave, but do you not think the fact he's the main man with a manager and fans? We've got an elite manager and we're spending serious money again might entice him to sign a new deal. It, it absolutely could, but the, the reality is that he is more likely than not to, to leave the club. And that's purely because he was meant to go last summer. It, you know, it didn't fall into place. He's got one year left on his deal. Well, by this summer he will do have one year left. And um, and there's always been a feeling that he will move on to to achieve the career that he probably deserves to have at some point. I don't think anyone will, will begrudge him that. Uh, the situation with Ruben, look, they've got... The, obviously, as captain and someone who's been at the club, what, six years now and is, is loved and admired, the, there was a massive respect between him and the club, and that's mutual, going both ways. Um, there is a good dialogue there with him, and I don't mean in terms of contract negotiations, I mean in the sense that, look, when, the, when he's ready and open to come back and, and, and have conversations, if that is the case, then they'll happen. Um, but I think it's fair to say that look, it's, it's not something that is the club are desperate and focus on doing right now. They're, they're not 
actively in negotiations right now and uh, trying to sort it imminently because they've got you know, bigger things to focus on. They're trying to stay up in the league. So um, it's something that they'll come back to. And, and, and as I say, that dialogue and that relationship with Ruben and the club means that they can come back to that at any point. But at the moment, it's up in the air. The odds are he probably will go. It's not guaranteed. Lopetegui obviously is, you know, they, they're close and, and rates him, but um, it's probably more likely than not. Uh, James M says, is Julian the drippiest manager in the league? Man has swag. I saw um, a, a compilation of pictures on the weekend as well. People were tweeted of him. Um, he, he does... He does dress up, to be fair. He looks, looks a dress. He, li- he, li- he likes a bit. Of, looks yeah. a bit. He's there, suave. There were, I think it was his first game, I think, the Gillingham game, I said to you. I'm not sure about those shoes. Mm. But aside from that, he, he's looked... Um, yeah, he, he's suave is the right word. Uh, best Thomas Duffy, best and worst loan signing Wolves have made during your lifetime? Best and worst loan signing. The first name that came to mind when I'm thinking of worst was Sagbo. Okay. I don't know why that came straight. That's his name, isn't it? I'm trying to... Yannick Sagba. Mm. Yeah, that came straight to mind. The, the thing that came to my, my mind from since I've been in and around Wolves, two names. One to Champions League winner in Hastings Vallejo. I knew you'd say that. Who was a lovely guy, but utterly crap. Horrendous. Diabolical. Um, and the other one was, bless him, but my God, couldn't it have barn door? William Jose. <laughs> well, I, I genuinely, uh, I think Vallejo's in with a shout, but I think my Sagbo shout is definitely, okay. is definitely was he, worse. Was he bad, was he? He was bad. I mean, it was, it was quite a while ago now. Yeah. It was like mid, before folks, mid sort of what, 2014, something like that. But um, yeah, what was that, some bad ones? Uh, best, what would be? Did Jota come on loan before permanent? I think so, yeah. I think he did. I think, I think he came he on did. loan. How to Costa before he signed? I know obviously yeah. he tailed off, but yeah. his, his loan period was before they signed him in the January. Neves was yeah. signed. I think he was Neves, signed. Neves permanent. was signed. But I think Jota was an initial loan with Bo- a, with a permanent. Well. Was a loan I'm going to say Jota for me. In my in, Jota's a very good shout. Thank I'm you. To go with that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Stop hitting my toes, man. What are you doing? <laughs> Playing footsie on the um, table. Let's have a look. Da, 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 da. Um. JM says, was that match the true start of the J-Lo era? If you consider from the World Cup break to the end of January as his pre-season, he's now got a few games under his belt. He's got his squad now and his fingerprints all over the play. I think that's, a, um, that's actually the question I was referring to earlier when I, yeah, when I mentioned that it felt like a bit of a pre-season for him. He's, and they've got better every game, I think, aside from the City game. And um, and he feels like now they're in a they're in a really good place. So yeah, I I think yeah I think that's a pretty fair assumption. Alex Birch, how do you guys feel our internal structure is set up now? We appeared horrendously run after the summer with poor planning and being dependent on Uncle George, whereas the January window looked well thought out and planned with us moving early to address the areas needed. So the biggest problem from or one of the biggest problems from the summer, which I've mentioned on here plenty of times, was was communication because there was people at the club that weren't the best communicators and you have a situation like Cody's departure which was shrouded in a a bit of um, uh, (laughs) unpleasantness, if that's the right word. Yeah, yeah, those things don't help. And Wolves are in a position now when they've got Matt Hobbs new into the job, they've got Julian Lopetegui obviously new into the job as well, um, they both. The, I mentioned actually on previous podcasts recently the timing of those two coming in together seems to have worked really well, and they and they've got a good relationship and work well together. But they're they're very they're much more open as as communicators with individuals at the squad, staff at the squad. So they've got a really good system going on there. 
Um, Daniel Lopetegui, obviously, is uh, Julian's uh, son, who's on the uh, performance analyst on the uh, backroom staff. He also has, he's, he's very heavily involved um, in the process between Hobbs um, and Lopetegui. So he's, um, I think the, the right word is the conduit between the two of them. Um, he's sort of really well liked and well respected. And actually, I, I saw him in the mix zone. Um, first time I've seen him in person, actually, I think. Um, didn't speak to him because I, I, he probably didn't have a clue who I was. But I, <laughs> um, I did, did spot him in the mix zone after the Liverpool game. And, and just the way he was interacting and, 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 and talking with people, like, you know, he, he was liked around the place. He knew everyone's name. People knew who he was. And he, and he wasn't just the manager's son. He was also someone who's heavily involved in, in, in linking the... Back in, the backroom team and the manager to the hierarchy of the club, so that that's really important. Um, free, uh, in terms of the structure as well, people I think people bring up Fran Garagaza. I hope I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. it right. Uh, his his role um, and as his title as technical advisor, people I think there was a lot of assumption at the time, which we you know dispelled when he first came in to say that he was going to be a sporting director. Of course, that wasn't the case, and Hobbs took over the the, the new role. Um, but the situation with him is. Um, which we actually announced at the time when he, when he took the job is that he is basically to do with scouting and he's Lopetegui's man in terms of scouting, someone he's brought in. But he's, he lives in Spain, so he doesn't, even, he doesn't live over in Wolverhampton, whereas the rest of the staff do. So um, his role, he's not involved in the sort of day-to-day um, as, as much as Lopetegui, Matt Hobbs and, and Daniel Lopetegui are. He's very much um, a scout and, and sort of reports back to the manager and, and, and the coaches. So... Overall, the structure seems to be working up really well. And, and Alex's question, I would agree with with what he's saying, that the, the structure is set up, um, I think, um, a, a lot better now. And they still use George Mendes, but they also have avenues elsewhere. And I think that's only healthy. Andrew Hadfield says, My air fryer I got from Walmart for 89.99 broke Sunday. I heard Liam's incredible bargain from Ketlin Toasterman. Do they ship overseas or do I have to purchase another overpriced one here? Uh, do they? I'm hoping. I'm hoping he does. You can find out for us, Caio, and get back to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll find out. But that would um, have a look on the website. The shipping might be a little bit, but yeah, they might be able to do it. Get have, on the website. Have a check on the website. Kellentoastman.co.uk. They've got a lot of lot of bargains. On there. We we walked past a lot of air fryers, by the way. We did a lot of air fryers. We found out we found a lot about air fryers. That even the design on the box can change the price as well. Astonishing. All the tricks of the trade. All the tricks of the trade. Um, but look, he's bought it in bulk and the, the prices are crazy low. I mean, let's get it up there now. Kellentoastman.co.uk. It's absolutely no-brainer. I saw this the other day, actually. The Beldre Handy Plug-In Heater. This is literally like a mini square that you plug into your into your uh, plug at home and it just radiates heat. But it's only tiny. It's about, it's about that big. It's like a little mini square. But you, your room is boiling within minutes. Astonishing. And how much is that? £25. £25 bloody pounds. Kino. Um, I'll order it now and Rosie can pay half. <laughs> <laughs> Astonishing from you, from a boyfriend point of view. Just just let out the air fryer. No chance. Um, I, um, I've had two hours sleep this week. Oh, very good. Well, all great. week or just, or just today? Well, last night yeah. and, uh, and it's the start of the week, I guess. So, uh, yes, this week. Um, struggling massively with a cough, which I've, I've held on this podcast, to be fair. Got a couple of little coughs. But last night, came down, couldn't sleep. Coughing away, the missus sent me out of the bedroom. Said, "Sort it out." Can't get to sleep, so I went downstairs, watched a bit of wrestling first, Monday Night Raw, <laughs> and then uh, put my put my heated blanket on, my Pifco heated blanket on, and then uh, fell fast asleep. Kino, <laughs> twenty pounds Pifco heated underneath blanket, just on the sofa there, just rolled up, got about 
one hour, 15 minutes before I was on the treadmill this morning, and I feel like a new man. Happy days. All because of the heated blanket. You look revitalised. Kellentoastman.co.uk, baby. I've got a little bit of makeup under the eyes, so it's not too dark as well. So. Eyeliner again. Brent for the way. There's nothing wrong with a bit of guy liner, <laughs> mate. Nothing wrong with a bit of guy liner. All right, next question. Let's have a look. Um, oh, Andy. Great, great question, Andy. Andy Hodge, we, we praised them uh, as well going into the game. Have we got our Molyneux back? I bloody hope so. And it seemed seen that way, doesn't it? Because it was it was brilliant. It really was. Look, the team obviously had an impact on that, but uh, the fans did their did their part, and it felt a lot it felt a lot more positive. Rich says, "Would you trade Saturday's win if it was guaranteed two wins against Southampton and Bournemouth? Guaranteed two wins, yeah. I mean, you're just swapping three points for six. Mathematically, it makes. Uh, I don't know what you mean. Well, it depends. Like, I'd rather take these three points and not know." And not be guaranteed three points through, but just play the games. If you, okay, if you put it that way, then yeah, you'd rather. I'd rather, I'd rather take the points, and because yeah. I think that Wolves could get at least four points, if not six points, in those two games. Yeah, I think, um, I think, I think you aim for four, don't you? And then I think you aim for six, mate. Well, I think that as a minimum is what I meant. Um, if you come away with uh, with seven points from Liverpool and those two, I think that's a pretty good going. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Let's have a look. How much do you think we can get Haaland for when City get relegated because of FFP? <laughs> he won't get in the team, would he? I don't, I don't think so. I'd have Costa. He's no... <laughs> um, that's, I'll tell you what, it'd be interesting to see what happens with them. But They might take, take one of the relegation spots anyway. Can Wolves, you imagine? Wolves be buzzing. Can you imagine? Um, let's have a look. Will Super Mario be fit for Southampton at the weekend, says Jamie. Uh, I mean, we'll find out more this week, obviously, but I think um, I'm, I'm pretty confident that he's going to be okay. Um, so I don't think it's anything to worry about. But we'll, um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep on top of that one and see and see what we can find out. Nigel Bolton, what's the timescale of Zhao Gomez being match fit? Um, I think you know he he was training um, and he was he was involved with Flamengo, just didn't play because it was their sort of preseason effectively. Um, so uh, three four weeks as a very max um, in terms of starting. I would I would hedge my bets, and that's that's probably about right. He's. If you think about it, now it's his sort of Wolves preseason. So expect to see him involved in games imminently. I would say, but not you know not from the start and not getting a lot of minutes. But depending on the uh, if he can get in the squad first of all, because there's a lot of players. But yeah, I think he'd be fine for for fairly soon. Wolfpack Costa was not even on the bench on Saturday. He was pictured in London over the weekend. Is he injured or just no longer needed? Uh, well, I wouldn't say either. I mean, you know, they'll be happy to have him as an option in the squad. <clears throat> They've got a lot of players, so. He didn't get in. Totti Gomez didn't get in. Jao obviously didn't get in. Jao Gomez. So there's a there's a lot of good options for the squad. Aidan Blackmore can BBC hire you two to do match of the day instead of these clowns who spent the whole five minutes talking about Liverpool. Yeah, it was it was interesting because the the first thing Alan Shearer said was I want to give credit to Wolves and he gave them you know 20 seconds and literally 20 seconds and um, that was great that he did that initially but then the most of the analysis was very much uh, Liverpool based which unfortunately. When you're talking about national media, the, the, the influence or the what is going to sell for them is focusing on mm. Liverpool, not Wolves. Unfortunately, that's why we're here to focus on Wolves. Absolutely. Uh, final one from Andy Matthews. Who are your three to go down? I think Southampton, Bournemouth, and I would have said Everton, but I, I think they'll be very close. But I feel like Sean Dyche would do it, so I'm going to go Leeds. Okay. Even though they got a win on Saturday. I'm still going to go Southampton, Bournemouth, and I don't care. I'm going to say it. I'd love to see this lot down. 
Forest. <laughs> Still think Forest are banging it. That, oh no, I, I do as well. On that, I mean, it would be rather entertaining. I mean, right obviously they beat Leeds, but I mean they were terrible. I mean, they were awful. The football was awful. Um, I'd love to see them back down. Don't know why. I'm quite happy for them to come up, but those fans, I'm not having them, and some of those players as well, not having them. Which ones? Well, someone, someone who needs a slap. I'll be honest. <laughs> Say it to his face, go on. I will do if I ever see him. God. I'm going to swear again there, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Uh, before you move on for the questions, there's, yes. a, there's a couple of others for me to... Go on. I, I, I apologise to the people who've asked these questions, because we've got, <clears throat> we've got. I mean, by the way, the, the number of questions we're getting in insane. is brilliant every week. I mean, Love it. You've got, I think, 65 plus here again this week. So. 75, I think. Oh, is it? Okay, even, even more. Um, uh, yeah. So apologies for... for I, I won't have the names of these people, but I did do some some sort of uh, research for the what? answers. What? You did? Uh, I know, for once. Um, so, so a couple of people were asking about... Um, Selling home tickets to away fans. I think yes. there was some there were some issues with Liverpool fans having access to away tickets. I think it might have also been United at some point. I think someone mentioned that. So um, obviously the United game that was recent. So um, yeah, obviously there is things in place that will try to stop it from happening. It isn't it isn't always easy because it is you know fans can sell tickets on etc. Um, but what I can say is that the, the club are are actively pursuing <coughs> people who have sold their own tickets to away fans. So, for example, Liverpool at the weekend, um, which, you know, it's in line with the policy when, when you, you know, have tickets with, with the club not to sell these on to, to away fans. But um, the club are able to trace the tickets back to who originally owned them and um, and uh, and punish them, basically. So um, I can say, I mean, I can't go into too much detail because I think people will be contacted in the, next, in the coming days, but... Um, there will be people who will be reprimanded from the Liverpool game for selling their tickets onto Liverpool fans. So um, they take it seriously. It's a uh, it's a deterrent from the club to do that, and hopefully it will it will improve. Uh, will stop it happening more more often than not. Um, so that was that was one, and there was one other issue just to mention. Um, a few people asking, which is actually quite a quite a good question about. You know, will Wolves' spending in the summer, this summer coming up, be impacted by the fact that they spent a lot in the summer, just gone, a lot in January. Um, it was more than 100, uh, not net because they had a few outgoings, but more than 100 in the summer, about 75 or so in January. So a lot of money spent over the last two windows. Um, it's fair to say that, you know, there's, there's a good chance it probably will impact because, you know, they've got a bigger squad now than they had done, have done for a long time. They've balanced the squad, but there's probably a little bit more they need to go. There's probably going to be quite a few outgoings. Neves is a possibility. Matinho, um, Raul, Adama. These are players that, that could move on in the summer. So they will need to be replaced, obviously. So there will be movement there. But I think in terms of having a massive out put with um, or outlay on, on transfers may not be the case but Wolves have always done it where they have invested in individual players they don't really set a budget and they invest in individual players when it's the right time to do it so they weren't planning to really invest in Nunes in the summer and they had an opportunity to bring a player in who they hope would be worth a lot more in, in, in the future and they, they went for it there and then so they'll do it on a case-by-case -case basis try and bring players in but I don't expect that they're going to spend you know, 200 million <laughs> again. But we'll see We'll see how it goes in terms of departures first and, and, and where they have to make additions. Um, just a couple as well, that, uh, since you've been talking, Liam, um, who emailed me into the podcast. So thank you very much for emailing. First one, Max Wright. He says, um, do you think they'll ever bring the old gold colour back to our home kits and what's your favourite Wolves home strip of all time, he says. Oh, it's a tough one. Um, uh, they They've done... I mean, obviously they've they've changed with the colour and, and and 
tampered with it a fair few times, or tinkered with it is the right phrase, um, quite a few times. And I think for the most part, it's been, it's, you know, it's gone down fairly well with fans. It's been a couple of years that have always been a little bit iffy. Um, I'm just going to quickly get it up on my laptop here because I think it's 1988 is one that I really like. So let me just quickly get it up and make sure that I'm talking about the right one. Yeah, there's a there's a 1988 uh, the Manders one. Um, I really like that home kit. It's a little it's a little bit lighter than maybe what, what people would expect, but that's that's one of my favourites. I, I liked I liked quite a lot of the fairly recent ones as well. But the problem with recent kits is that the big sponsor on the front, which I don't always like, mm. but it depends on the sponsor. So. Um, yeah, possibly. I mean, it, it, you know, Wolves, Wolves put a lot of work. You'd be surprised at what a lot of uh, how much work modern clubs put into producing kits every mm. season because it's a mass, it's a massive money maker, isn't it? So a lot of work goes into it, and they'll do their they'll do their due diligence. Yeah, last one, and uh, thank you very much um, from from this person who's always been a big podcast fan, Gerardino Gambone. Um, he says, and um, talk about Moutinho, and he says, love to hear your opinion on if Wolves should offer Jean Moutinho a twelve month contract. I know he won't be an automatic starter, but can make a difference with 20 to 30 minutes to go, as he did on Saturday by winning the ball and making that lovely pass to Troy, which resulted in Wolves' third goal. And he makes a good, it makes a good point because um, this is what I've been waiting for and crying for. You know, Moutinho is not a starter anymore for me. Maybe the odd game, one in three, one in four, but this is, what's been, this is what he's best at doing. Coming in, slowing a game down when they were losing control slightly in that second half, and what did he do? He made the change, and that Jean Moutinho substitution was absolutely essential. And he calmed things down, he held the ball well, he battled, he won tackles, and like you say, he, he launched um, Traore through to that for that third goal as well with, with a really well-won tackle. Um, would you give him a 12-month contract? Um, probably not. I agree. I'm probably not, I agree. Honest. Um it's a tough one because he's been a brilliant servant for Wolves. Um, I completely agree with you that for me he's probably not a starter now. Every game or every other game or so, maybe you know one in four, as you say, you might you might come in. But he, he's the perfect foil to bring on when you need someone to, as you say, slow the game down, look after possession, and then creating that goal, obviously, or helping to create that goal um, against Liverpool. So I think it's I think there's it feels like a lot of players have come to a natural end to their cycle at Wolves. Him being one, other players, some that I've mentioned already that may move on in the summer, feels like it might be coming towards the end. And the the old guard, if you will, if that's the right phrase, feels like it's time for Wolves to make a bit of a change. Um, I equally equally wouldn't be upset if he did stay because I think you know you can still get something out of him. He still he offers something. A lot of money they went off the bench, but he's on he's on decent whack. And I think I think with you know the the midfield options they've got, younger ones coming through. Jao Gomez obviously yet, yet to see him play, but. Bukayo always looked great when he was fit. These players coming through and getting more game time. I think it's time to to make a change. Yeah, I mean, from the last wages that I saw him earning a week, he's he's almost on as much as you. So almost um, not that's, quite. Going, that's going crazy, crazy money. Um, well, another one from um, football prizes uh, Wednesday. Uh, we've got a new auction for you, and that is auction or a lot for you. It is. How would you like to win a signed Pedro Neto framed boot? Now we're talking. Now we're, I like a boot. I like a good yeah. signed boot. Well, they, they, they look really smart, don't they? In, when, in the uh, in the frame. I've got a boxing glove signed by like Lewis, Ali, Foreman, Frazier. It looks class. Nice. Very nice. I like that. Um, this I'll, is, I'll give you 20 quid for it. Um, you're three and a half grand and we're talking. Um, Pedro Neto signed boot. Luminous red or luminous pink. Looks superb. Um, also a spot prize of a Neto signed shirt. Um, and lots of other... Uh, money off uh, for your for more tickets in the future. So make sure you get on to football prizes. 
www.ghostbusiness.co.uk. Uh, 7.30 it closes on Wednesday night, February the 8th. Right, Southampton against Wolverhampton Wanderers. And first of all, Liam, can you uh, explain to me what's going on on Saturday? Because I've looked at the media accreditation list and I've seen Nathan Judah and I've not seen Liam Keane's name. Yes, I'm terribly sorry. Um, I'm not at the game. I'm what? Afraid. I know, I know what? it's a disgrace. Um, look, I, I, I haven't had one on for a while. <laughs> I try and avoid um, missing games if I can because I, I, don't, I, I genuinely don't like missing them. But unfortunately... Um, I've got to get together with a with a friend of mine. He's bought a house up north with his with his partner. We're no, going, we, we go. We're going to see the house for the first time, and me and some. He's one of my best mates from from school, so we're going up to see him with a load of my other friends. So okay, yeah, we. Um, I will be. So you're getting you're getting wasted. Basically, I will be having a beverage in Manchester rather than uh, <laughs> rather rather than unfortunately on the south coast watching Wolves hopefully get three points. But I'll be watching from afar. Will you miss me? No, no, no. I'll, I'll, <laughs> no, I'll miss. I'll, I'll miss. Jun Lopetegui, yeah. I miss the players, yeah. I miss... The food, because um, you haven't had the food I'll yet miss, I'll miss the food, I'll miss you know, my colleagues, my journalistic colleagues. Yeah, I'll, service I'll stations. Miss, I'll miss the, the kit man. Yeah. I'll miss um, the person who's going to make the coffee for me. Yeah. Um, anyone but you, anyone. really, to be honest. Anyone. anyone but you. But I'm sure you'll have a great time with that. I'll have a great time, mate. I'll have a great time, me and my Todd. I uh, can't wait. Um, right, give me give me your starting lineup, And um, give me your starting lineup. For Wolves against Southampton. You lost it, now he's gone. I haven't lost it. Southampton v Wolves. Okay, give me a yes or no. Does Jun Lopetegui name the same starting 11 apart from Traore for... Um, because we've got a thing that Huang's not going to be playing or does he go something different I would hope that Penence comes in mm. and no offence to Traore because I thought he did well when he came on as we've already discussed but I think, I think Penence should come in. Other than that um, it feels to me like that's probably the same. That one change is probably the same starting eleven. But it, but could Hugo Bueno come in? I could see. I could see a world where that happens. Yeah, I could see. Actually, that that might be a good shout considering what I was about to say. Where same starting eleven, but with a tinker in tactics and formation. Back to a four-three-three. Yeah. Nunes in a midfield three, Lamina and um, and Neves next to him, Sarabia out wide rather than central next mm. to Cunha. And of course he can drift inside and, and allow Semedo to overlap. Um, but I think that feels um so Pedence going for Huang and Pedence going to the left uh, flank, that feels to me like the one change I would make. And I, and I would leave it at that, other than maybe Bueno coming in. Okay, well you could do the prediction first because you're not gonna be bothering to be there. You're gonna Don't be getting say that. tanked up on the um, on the old lash. It's just one time, let me off. I'll let you off. I've got to miss a couple of later in the season. Yeah, yeah. Well, sorry, you you're missing like four games. I'm right? missing two. <laughs> two. Six I think games, one is um one I'm missing well, it depends if if Wolves against Villas move to a Sunday, which it could be, then I won't miss I won't I'll only miss one, I think. Which is the less to get. Uh for a wedding. Oh. A second wedding, anyway. Congratulations. Well, it's, it's second time lucky for this guy, apparently. Oi. Oi. Um, so, uh, you can do the prediction and then we'll, we'll go off mine. Okay. See, there's no one's going to be there to, to, to pick it. Yeah, well, pick a winner. it's all on you. Um, yeah. I will go Wolves 2, Southampton 0. Oh, no, no, Kino. You're going to copy me? Southampton 0, Wolverhampton Wanderers 2. You're going for it. So we're going for it, right. going for it. The pressure's on Can't change this it. week again. 2-0 Wolves. Um, look, yes, they've got a lot of pressure on themselves at the moment, and yeah, maybe there's a bit of a fight back, but I just think that it's a great time to play them. They're in disarray on and off the pitch, 
Uh, Wolves obviously found the mojo. Lopetegui, this, this team are back together. They just had a big win. I think it's a great time to go there. Show your authority, show your quality. Go there, get the win, get out. There's things I like about Southampton's team, genuinely. I mean, there's a reason in the Premier League. They've got, you know, I think, Salisu is a decent player on his day. He's a, you know, they brought Benderek back. He's, a, he's, a, he's all right. Um, Lavia in midfield, I think he's a good, very good player. Ward Prowse, obviously, massively great. Che Adams is a strange one that, you know, on his day, he can cause problems and can be quite a busy striker. But um, overall, you look at their starting eleven and even their squad, to be honest, as a whole, and Wolves is far superior. But you have to go there on the day and do the business, and that's the difference. I would back Wolves to do it, and I think it's a genuinely huge three points if they get that, way bigger than the Liverpool three points, um, purely because of the situation they're in. And if you take two wins off the back of going into at home against Bournemouth, that's massive and it's a great position to be in. It certainly is. Um, Keir, thank you very much. I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you, baby. Too. I'm going to miss you. You can say you're not going to miss. No, you can't. No, you, I said it, You've broken my heart. You've broken my heart. That's it. That's me and you over now. Um, so um, I, will, I will miss you because I enjoy your company. <laughs> so I have to talk to some someone from the Birmingham Mail or something on Saturday. I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, I'll have to see how it goes. Alex Dick and loser. Oh, dear <laughs> me. Um, well, we'll, he won't um, listen to this anyway. It's fine. Have a great weekend, everyone. We will play you out, of course, with our, with our new song from Poco Drum. Uh, also, he's, he's performing in Bristol at the Green Bank on 25th of March, 12th of February at the Devon at the Hall Exeter. If you want to follow him on Twitter, it is at Poco Drum. Take it away! Bye bye! The strength of the wolf is the strength of the pack. We're Wolverhampton, we're on our way back.